Welcome to So You Say, a podcast about the words we use, why we use them, how we use them, and how it affects our everyday life. Ultimately, we will be discussing the power behind our words. I'm Holly. And I'm Susan. In our time together, we're going to explore those common phrases that we say to ourselves and others around us, the impact that those phrases make, and how to avoid the unintentional negative consequences those words may have. So you say, we'll explore how even the smallest of words can have such a large impact for you and those around you. Welcome back. This is Holly with So You Say. I am here, of course, again, of course, again, with my bestie, Susan. And here we are today talking about friendships. Exactly. So on this podcast, we delve into the words that we say, why we say them, and the effect that we might have. So the way that we communicate is an enormous part of how we build and develop friendships. And in developing friendships, there may come a time when that friendship is no longer suitable, where a friendship has grown apart. So what we're going to talk about is how we navigate that kind of rocky uncomfortableness when maybe we're recognizing that the friendship no longer serves us or the people involved in that friendship. Yeah. And I think we can all relate to this topic because I know myself and I know everyone pretty much out there at some point has had to end a friendship or has lost a friendship or even questioned why a friendship was lost. So I think this is a really important topic to discuss today. But in order to start this topic, there's some really cool facts that we found on friendship. And I think this is a great preface to where we're going to go with this podcast today because it really, in a sense, is an, it kind of opens up yourself to what friendships are. And I think we all have this impression that all friendships are supposed to last forever. Exactly. And the truth is, that's not the facts. Right. <laughs> it's that's not really how it is. It's not the facts, and it's not really the science behind right. how people work, how your minds work, how your relationships work. Exactly. And I was kind of surprised when we started to look into, I guess I thought a friendship is like this big, giant thing. And what really surprised me was actually how narrow friendship becomes the older we become. So yeah, and first yeah. facts that came out was the average person has about 396 friendships in their life, but only on average 33 of those will last. Yeah, what makes me laugh about this is these are not Facebook friends, right? Because some people have like, I have 3,486 <laughs> Facebook friends. <laughs> so these are not Facebook friends. I, I might be the only one in social media universe who has less than 
200 Facebook friends. And those 200 people, I do not talk to all the time. I am not close friends with these people, but they are acquaintances. Some are real friends, some are close friends, some are old friends. I've known them in some way. So we're talking about an average person has 396 friendships, real people, friendships, which to me seems crazy. It seems like a lot. It does seem like a lot. (laughs) I agree with you on the social media. For me, my little gauge for social media about whether I'm going to have someone be a quote friend through social media is would I go out to lunch with this person? Right. (laughs) And enjoy yourself. Right. But even (laughs) I was kind of surprised at that number, how high it was. I think I was also shocked too at the idea that from this large pool you had a ton of attrition where it was really coming down to 33 or less. And I even wonder if 33 is kind of being on a generous end of that spectrum of friendships that'll last. Right. And, you know, what does last really mean, though? These are not people you're going to talk to every single day. These are not your best friends. These are people that you will keep in your lifetime either yearly or every 10 years Mm -hmm. or whatever. So we're not talking about 33 best friends by any means, but this is 10%, if not less than 10% of the people we meet in our lives, we're going to become friendly with. Friendly with, that's really what this is. Yep. And it rolls into the next fact, which is of that 33, you're really only talking about three to five from within that circle of friendships that are quote going to last three to five of those are going to be considered close friendships right people who know you know your know your feelings know about your life just know you uh it's not a passing acquaintance or work friend and don't get me wrong you can have work friends that you become close with, but these are true, close, personal friendships. That's what this is. And now the question is- your inner circle. Exactly. And now that's where we come into our next really interesting fact. So there was research done on what makes a friend and the timeline of which you can have a friend, which seems- nuts, but it exists. So it takes 50 hours of time together with someone else to become an acquaintance with this person. 50, five, zero, five, zero hours. And in order to become a real friend, you're spending 90 hours together with this person. And in order to become a close friend, a really close friend, maybe a lifetime friend or a best friend, 200 hours. That is a long time to to be with someone um, in a friendship. Honestly, (laughs) it doesn't seem like a long time, but it really is. Interacting with them. Yeah. I think the first when I heard those numbers, I thought the acquaintance was like, oh, that feels low. But then you start to think about it. You go, no, that's, they're talking about active engagement with a person, not, oh, for 40 hours a week, I sit next to this person that I work with. And after, you know, one, you know, six days of work, we're going to be (laughs) acquaintances. That's not what 
these numbers are saying. What the numbers are really referring to is they're referring to a conscious interaction with the person where you're engaging on a level where you are sharing, where you're giving and taking, where you're getting to know each other. Right. So it really added to perspective. Yeah. Those numbers are higher than what I would have thought. So it does take a little bit of time even to become somebody's acquaintance. Yeah. And if you look at your lunch break, your lunch break is an hour to, in order for that person to be an acquaintance, you have to spend 50 lunch breaks with them. (laughs) So that's really how you'd break it down. 50. So that's I don't know how many lunches to every single lunch for two months in order for this person to be an acquaintance. acquaintance. And then when you start to think of it that way, you go, oh, okay, I see how that's possible. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Right. And the last fact that we found was the average friendship will last six to seven years. And that's really not a long time. Uh, I think when people, and I, I, I see the reactions that people get when Susan and I go traveling together or we do something together and they say, oh, well, how long have you guys been friends? And we'll say, oh, you know, 20 years. And they're like blown away. It, yeah. It's like a marriage. You know, yeah. that's crazy. <laughs> you know, that's so long. Um, and we go, really, is it? Because to us, time just passes and goes. And next thing you know, we spent half of our lifetime, literally, as friends. It doesn't look that way to us. But when the average friendship last six to seven years, this is like, you know, groundbreaking. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So I think first of all, to any of you out there who have a friend that you're counting decades with, kudos to you, you're breaking the average, which is wonderful. I mean, that's amazing, really, when you talk about a friendship. Again, not one born of, oh, well, this is my sister and we're friends or, you know, even any type of relative relationship that might pull you together, bind you together, but an actual friendship with somebody, when you're talking about something that's going into decades, you're breaking the average. And and that's pretty amazing too, which is why it can be hard when sometimes we've reached the point where we go, oh, this friendship isn't working for me anymore, or this friendship doesn't feel right anymore. It can be incredibly tough. It can feel like a divorce. Exactly. Yeah. It can feel like a divorce. So if it does feel that way for you because you've ended a very a friendship that has lasted more than six or seven years, that's okay. That's normal and natural. And that's where I love bringing up the quote, which mm-hmm. is so true to have there's a season, a reason, and a lifetime, or a reason and a season or a lifetime for everything. There's friendships. That's that's there's friendships that will last for a reason. I could name probably hundreds of friends I've had in my life for a day, for a weekend, for an event, <laughs> for for two, three months, for a year. And I've had others, again, for a season, for a couple months, for a couple years. And it ends and others for a lifetime. And that lifetime one, I think, is where we start to comprehend our true friendships. That's where friendship, the core of friendship is found, is in those friendships that last a long time because they've definitely been tested. 
for yeah, sure. I was going to say, that's where, <laughs> that's where your biggest challenges come in. You know, you can, when, when you're friends with somebody for a reason, and that reason ends, whatever it may be, maybe you were doing a, uh, you know, our background comes from theater. So maybe you're doing a show together, you know, and you get, you get along great. You're a wonderful cast but you're drawn together because of the show. And when the show ends, you might carry that friendship over a little bit longer, but in a lot of cases you don't, and it's not anything mean. And usually the dissolving of that friendship doesn't feel as traumatic. Again, because you had a reason that you came together, that reason has now ended. And we're very comfortable, I think, with that when it comes to friendships. That's something that we're used to. Even with a season, when we talk about a friend coming in for a season, that can be your high school friends, you know, and you, you're, you were so close. You experienced this good chunk of time together. There was a lot of growth. You have a lot of warmth and memory. There can be some trouble when that ends or, you know, when you move on to something different and you find that those friendships maybe aren't as close anymore. But again, those are, are kind of something that we're used to. It's when we start to get into the territory of things that we start to go a lifetime, where I think some of the complexities of dealing with the feelings of I've grown apart from this person come into play. You see it a little bit with the season, maybe not so much with the reason definitely a challenge when we talk about lifetime friendships. Yeah. And not to say we're going to be just discussing how to end a lifetime friendship, but I think that's kind of where we're sitting with this because we understand why those season and those reasons ones end, but we question why a lifetime will. And with that, I think, and I know with me as I've aged, I don't need a hundred friends anymore. I don't need quantity. I, I need any quality in a friendship. And for me to put quality into a friendship as an adult, when my time is less because I have more responsibility and I gain a friendship and then it starts to go wrong, I do a couple things. First is I start to ignore the signs because yeah. I've felt, well, there's definitely quality here. I've spent my valuable time yeah. with this person and there's something there. I'm an adult now. I, I don't just become friends with anybody. I have this instinct that I know a good person. And when things start to deteriorate and we start to realize that this friendship may end, we definitely, I, I feel that we don't want to see the signs as clearly. And also because we've spent our time and our energy and because we don't have a hundred friends, losing that one is a much greater loss than when we were younger and in, 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 in high school where we had 15, 20 friends. Well, you lost one. Who cares? Now you have, you know, 19 more, you know, it's not, it's not like that. I love that you actually use the term, the one. So when we look at friendship, I think, as an adult, one of the things that we do is we, we, we do this really interesting thing that I think we do early in our romantic relationships. Early when we get to our romantic relationships, I think almost everybody has experienced this. When you have that first round of love, you're like, oh, this person is the one. 
you know, and then as you go along, you may realize, oh, they're not really the one. And it, it becomes a little bit easier to separate. And and you can question, I think in romantic relationships, we always think, is this person the one? Is this person the one? When it comes to adult friendships, one of the things that I think is really interesting is that we look at the person that we're friends with and we go, of course, they're the one. There's no questioning when, when we <laughs> identify somebody as a friend, as an adult, yeah. there is a part of us that's saying, this person is the one. So when things start to shift, when the friendship no longer suits us, yeah, we're going to ignore red flags much more than we ignore in romantic relationships. Because again, I think we're used to questioning in romantic relationships, is this person the one? But with friendship, we assume that this person is the one. So when these red flags start to pop up, we go, nope, there's no way. There's no way that this could be a red flag because this person is the one. They're my friend. Right. I, this this can't be happening. You right. know, whereas in a romantic relationship, we might feel that little bit of uncomfortableness in our gut. We might go, geez, I don't know. I thought this person was the one, but now they're acting like this. So how can they be the one if they're acting like this? Whereas with friendship, we're so certain that this person is the one. They are our friend, capital F, friend, <laughs> that we will ignore a lot of those red flags as they pop up. Yeah, exactly. There's I, I I know again with me, and I've heard this when I've had discussions with my friends who are having issues in their friendships. We always think two things. One is, where did I go wrong? What is wrong with me? Why is this happening? Because we always, for whatever reason, I feel even as women more than men, nothing against the guys, but I think right. women more than men self-blame. Yeah. And then the second thing we think is this person might be a bad person and that's why this is ending. Or maybe I'm a bad person because this is ending. And the truth is, is people don't have to be bad. Just because the friendship is ending doesn't mean that they're bad. It just means that they're no longer good for you. And it means maybe you are no longer good for them. Right. Yeah. And it becomes, I think, a part of that fear where we start to either look inward within ourselves for something to blame or outward also comes from the fact that as we get older, we I think we begin to realize how precious friendships actually are. You know, we lose people all during our life. Unfortunately, people die people move away, circumstances happen that are beyond our control. So I think we do hold on to our friendships that we develop either later in life or friendships that we've had a long time. We really put them up onto a pedestal and hold them in high regard. So when you do get to that point where you're like starting to feel doubt, starting to feel concerned, it's got to be much easier to have something outside to blame or something, some type of flaw within yourself to blame rather than going, huh, this might be something that naturally happens with friendships. Yeah, we just fell apart. And that's what happens. And becoming comfortable with things ending is key through all of this. And that seems almost impossible, because who wants to be comfortable 
in ending something ever, really. But we have to be aware that ending something, that whole, you know, when, when one door closes, another one opens. It's that whole concept that maybe the ending of this friendship will now open up our heart or will give us more energy or will give us more time toward a friendship that exists, but maybe not to the degree that it should. But now we've lost the other friendship where we've spent so much time and energy and it's all this drama and it makes us negative and we've let that go. And now it's opened up space in us and our world for maybe this person we've known for five years who we just chat with once in a while, that's really the person who's meant to be in your corner now. And now there's space for them. Right. We've talked about in some of our other episodes, we've actually talked about the importance of time, how precious time actually is. And as we get older, I think we do we become more aware of the passage of time and how critical that is. And you're absolutely right. There can be people that perhaps we've put a lot of time into. And so the idea of, of that ending, it it feels like, Oh my gosh, did I waste my time? There is another way to look at that. There is another way to approach that. And I think that's a wonderful approach. We can also talk too about, okay, we've, we've kind of spoken about, what are some of the red flags that you see in a relationship, whether in yourself or within the person that you're in this friendship with? What are some of these signs that maybe should be raising that little red flag in your gut going, huh, something isn't right here? Yeah. And these are not the obvious signs um, like my friends up with my husband or anything like that. We're not talking about obvious. Obviously, that should end a friendship, clearly. So we're not talking about these blaring signs that, you you know, that exist. We're talking about maybe things that we may not be so aware of that are occurring within our friendship. And one of those things that I've noticed in my friendships before they've ended is there was a boundary breaking somewhere at some point. Yep. That's a huge one. I think that people don't think about Um, talking about the boundary breaking. You're also talking about um, kind of lying as well with, with stuff, but the lying can be a little bit more obvious, whether you're catching the person lying to you or you're lying to your friend. You know, maybe you don't share what you used to share anymore with that person. Um, you know, there that can be, again, kind of a more obvious sign. But something that goes along with that is that idea of boundary breaking. We talked about how difficult it can be to set boundaries. So when you do set those boundaries and your friend is constantly breaking them or you're breaking other people's boundaries, that's a red flag right there that this friendship might be coming close to its expiration date. Yeah. And we might have a tendency to ignore that because we just don't see it right away. I have an example of a friend who is very, 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 very chatty and always wants to call and always wants to text and just really needs attention all the time. And I, at first, would say, hey, I I love our friendship. I think it's great. But 
I hope you understand. I can't always pick up the phone. I can't always immediately reply to your texts. I can't be there for you 24-7. I have other things going on in my life. And the person went, okay, no problem. Okay, no problem. And then they would maybe slightly text a little bit less or maybe call a little bit less, but then they would expect me to respond right away if because it was less. And they felt, well, now I'm contacting you less. So now you should be able to respond, right? <laughs> and and yeah. I wouldn't respond right away. And then it got to the point where I realized, I don't really have time for this friendship anymore. And I love this person. I love them dearly. And I had to just say to them, can we, my boundary is my space and my time, of course, we've discussed, but space is where a boundary can be broken too. By constantly contacting me or by maybe contacting me less, but then always expecting me to respond within your limits and you not listening to me is breaking a boundary <laughs> because the boundary yeah. because you had a conversation with the person, you know, and, and the idea too, is that we, you know, we obviously want to be as when we set boundaries with people in our life, no matter what the relationship is, we want to be very clear that this is a boundary that we're setting, you know, and it, it can be hard because I think setting boundaries can trigger a lot of negative feelings right. for the person who's outside of the boundary and going, I don't you know, get it. Well, yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> but that's not really the point of a boundary. Like you walk, if you're walking along a fence, you know, you're walking along a field and you come to a fence, it is not the fence's job to tell you. Don't, don't go over me. Go, right. <laughs> yeah. But you know, we, but as for most of us, we would come to that fence and be like, oh, okay, I can't cross over this. If I still need to get to maybe where the other side is, maybe I'm going to look for a way around this, but I'm not going to cross this boundary. But this is an interesting point, though. If you do cross the boundary and you make that choice, if you do cross that fence and you make that choice, you have to expect repercussions. You have to understand what can happen if you do it. So if you cross that fence and you get, I don't know, caught for trespassing, you made that choice. You can right. now go, well, what did I do? I don't understand. No, you you know what you did. <laughs> it was clearly communicated. You saw the sign. It was there. Right. So when your friend communicates to you something, and again, communication is key with knowing boundaries. When your friend communicates something to you and you break that and you go, well, I don't understand, it, that's where it gets a little, I think, foggy, honestly. So, but we could talk about that one forever, I think. But I've also known, and and you did discuss the debit and credit or the credit and debit in another podcast. And that's kind of this next reason why we should know a friendship is ending is when it's all give and no receive. Yeah, absolutely. When you're, when a friendship physically makes you feel dreamed, And that's what a lot of that emotional debit and emotional credit, when it's out of balance, there really are physical repercussions. If you start to go, every time you think about hanging out with this person, you kind of have to steal yourself 
to be able to deal with them. And if this is a constant thing, like, yes, there may be times that we have a friend who takes a lot of emotional credit to be friends with that person. But if you have a reserve because you've they've given back or because you've given yourself space to recharge things like that. You are sometimes able to give that, but if it's a continuous cycle of giving, giving, giving and never getting in return, that should be something that you're taking a look at this friendship and going, is this serving me anymore? You know, have we, does this friendship give value to me, to my physical health, to my mental health, to my emotional health. And a good way to do that is to look at the debit and credit that's in a friendship. Yeah. Am I always calling them, but they're never calling me? That's just a simple one. And if that goes on for years, if, if and I know with friends who I have who live far away, am I always visiting them and they're never coming to visit me? Sometimes that's just enough to end something. And that could be hurtful to mention to someone who's a really good friend who you've known a long time. But truly, if you're constantly going out of your way, spending money, spending time, spending energy to go visit somebody, and they never come to you, it kind of makes you realize, well, this may not be working anymore. Right. And I can hear people out in the that saying, well, but I'm really busy. I'm really, really am. Oh, we're going to get into that too. (laughs) This is where uh, communication is key. Again, I'm I'm not talking about, there are certain times in your life, um, you know, I have friends who right now are knee deep in raising children. And so I realize that their emotional ability to give their emotional debit is pretty stretched thin. They're giving to this, they're giving to that, they're giving here, they're giving there. So because that's kind of been communicated, there are things that I can go, okay, but then I'm not gonna necessarily overstretch my own emotional debit to this person. Again, not out of meanness, but just because if I'm overstretching and expecting that in return, they can give back, And then I'm disappointed when they can't and it's been communicated and I come from a place of understanding why they can't. Then I'm sort of setting myself and them up for failure in that friendship. Yeah. It's again, communication, always communication, 100%, Mm -hmm. which is why to just have an acquaintance or to have, it takes 50 hours because at that 50 hour mark, you're starting to learn boundaries. You're starting to communicate. You're starting to get to know each other. So kind of tags back to that. And that makes more sense now because this isn't just about chatting about our kids and showing them pictures of our kids and following each other on social media. It becomes about communicating. And that takes hours and hours and hours to do. If you're going to spend your time doing it in a marriage or with your fiance who you're going to marry, or with your boyfriend or girlfriend who you want to marry, spend that time also communicating with those friends who you want to consider maybe to be there for that quote unquote lifetime. Because if right. you're going to, if you're going to spend the time, make sure that they also spend the time. And again, understand if they can't, maybe they're giving somewhere else, or maybe they're giving you, I don't know, maybe they're always there for you in the middle. Maybe they're, put it this way. Maybe they're spending all day with their kids, knee deep with children, but at night 
when they go to bed, they make sure to check in with you and just say, hey, how are you today? And that might be all they do all day, but at least that's that little bit of them saying, I'm here, I'm your friend, and you know that they're trying. So it's that effort also, that effort. It's understanding, I think, where both what you need from a friendship as far as, you know, receiving and what somebody else can give and understanding that if it's out of balance, this is this is a good case. This we'll talk about this in just a bit here. We're going to touch on it real quick. There are times that just you've grown apart. Yeah. I think that's one of the hardest ones, but that that's a good example right there of that idea where you do have somebody that you love and you care about, but maybe your life has just grown apart. And that can be one of the hardest ones. That's not that big glaring red flag. That's kind of an insidious one. That's a tough little one. The idea that you've grown apart because that, that can be incredibly difficult. There's not really a big giant thing. Or if this person just did this, everything would be fine. It, it's the hardest, I think, of the signs of a friendship running its course. Yeah, so many is, people, yeah, so many people will say, well, they have a family, they're married, they have a full-time job. I don't have kids. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't work full time. We've grown apart. Look, it's so obvious. They have a family, they have a big job. I don't have that. Look, we've grown apart. We're not talking about the obvious here. Always. Mm -hmm. We're talking about sometimes the things that aren't so obvious. Maybe you've just grown apart because you have, because there's something so small and minute there that now exists. And, and this is where the next, I think, sign comes in and I'm going to pull this one right here because this has been one of the reasons why I've lost friends or why I've ended friendships. As I've aged, I've become a more positive person. That's a choice I've made. I want to find joy. I want to live joy. I don't want to be full of drama and, and bullshit and constantly creating st- a stressful world for myself. I want to now be positive. I've lost friendships. Because my friends want to live a negative life. Now, maybe they're not aware of the fact that they are. <laughs> it's, it's very possible they're not. But this is a very difficult situation for me sometimes because I'm not better than them. That's not what I'm saying. But if I get together with someone or if they get together with me and we get together and when we depart at the end of that lunch or whatever it is that we did. And I feel drained. I feel worse than I did when I was with them. (laughs) Then you're starting to see that maybe we're just growing apart because our lives are in different places. Maybe they're extremely negative or I'm extremely negative. Maybe that's where we need to dig deep and change or where our friend needs to maybe start to realize, you know, what's important you know what and i've tried to end friendships and said i don't want to say well you're you're just excuse me you're so fucking negative i can't deal with you anymore <laughs> that's what i might be thinking <laughs> but it's not what yeah. i'm going to say so this is a really hard one because how do you bring this up to somebody oh it's a, it's an incredibly hard one cuz obviously you know if you have a friend who is who's negative like let's say and we're talking about 
we're using the term negative, but you know, you can certainly have what I would call direct negativity, which is maybe somebody who's putting you down, right. somebody who's diminishing you, somebody who is constantly angry at you or upset at you for thing. You know, you, you when you have that constant fear of like, oh God, what did I do now? You know that that type of negativity. We also have the negativity that's maybe a little bit more subtle. I know for me, I grew up with a parent who I always like to say, she communicates by complaining. And that's a type of negativity as well. And it can be really, really draining and it can be really difficult. I I understand that the negativity, as I've gotten older, I understand more that the negativity doesn't necessarily come from a place of being upset. You just get into a pattern of communicating this way. And that's somebody who can be in a friendship with somebody who maybe communicates by complaining or communicates through negativity or defines himself through negativity. You can a lot of times bond over that shared kind of angst. <laughs> right. Take you so far, and eventually that angst is going to eat away at one or both of you. It's going to eat away at the friendship, and all like you said, all of a sudden you get to this point where you leave having spent your time and your energy interacting with this person, and you leave and you're not recharged, you're not refreshed, you're not excited. And I'm not saying it's your friend's responsibility to fill you know, your emotional needs. But if you walk away feeling worse, that's not great either. I mean, it's exactly, exactly. There's a, there definitely isn't a, a balance. Yeah. You know, we can come right out too and say there are big, obvious red flags. I touched on it a moment ago. If you have a friend who is t- talks negative to you, if if you have a friend who is making you feel bad about who you are. I mean, that should be, again, be a really like, that's a big red flag right there. And I would hope you would go, oh, well, this friendship is not good for me. However, as we've talked about, you can ignore those signs of abuse because you're so locked into this person being your friend, your one that you can go, well, maybe I deserve this, or maybe they're right. Maybe this, maybe that. And so it's very easy to talk yourself out of even very obvious, obvious. Yeah. And that last sign is what we think is obvious is abuse. And it's not just about smacking someone around. And I hate saying it that way, but it's not physical. It could be Mm -hmm. just that mental abuse of that person always putting you down or always making you feel horrible about yourself. And yeah, I think we've all been there too. And and those are the friendships that we feel a little bit more at ease with ending because it makes sense. Well, of course I'm going to end this one because they tell me I'm an idiot or they tell me I'm stupid or they hit me or, you know, those are obvious <laughs> ones. I mean, you would, you would certainly hope, but... Also, too, those can be, again, the most insidious because I think we can talk ourselves sometimes into thinking, well, maybe they're right. Maybe I am. Right. Maybe I am. that." Um, And those those are the ones that I especially when you combine time 
If you're talking about somebody who you've invested a lot of time with and this person has for years been doing this, or maybe they just even started recently doing it, it can be kind of very difficult to unravel from that friendship. Yeah, 100%. This is where I love to give my milk expiration analogy because it fits into what we're talking about right now so well. When we have milk close to an, its expiration date or even at its expiration date or a little bit past its expiration date, we pay a close attention to this milk in our fridge. We don't want to pour it directly into our coffee when we know it could be to that point of it expiring. So we smell it or we kept checking the date, or we keep looking at it. Maybe we pour a little bit in a separate cup before we spoil our drink. We pay attention to the milk because we know once we ingest it, it's not good for us, and it's going to make us feel sick, possibly, or we're just going to get sick from it because it's just gross. And when it comes to friendships... I don't know why we don't treat it kind of the same, where we see a sign and we sit and really ingest that and not ingest, but we really take it in and think about it and try to understand, yeah, I see this sign and maybe this is no more good for, maybe this is no longer good for me. Maybe... It just needs to go and get thrown away now. Because if I keep allowing this to come into my body or come into my soul or come into my world or my energy or my universe, I'm not going to feel well. If I keep ingesting something that I know has expired. So if we treat or look at the ending of a friendship as we would, in a sense, milk expiring, that there doesn't have, you know, maybe that one sign is enough. (laughs) It's just enough. We don't have to question it. We don't go, well, the milk smells bad, but it's probably fine. I'm going to pour it in my coffee anyway. We know it doesn't smell good. That's, that's hard stop. That's it. We don't drink it. (laughs) So that's, well, maybe some people drink it. I don't drink it, (laughs) but maybe some people like spoiled milk. I don't know. But yeah. yeah. So I like to always, when I think about my friendships, I think about, did I see the signs? Did I recognize them? Did I acknowledge them? And is me disposing of this going to be healthy for me? Or is or is me right. holding on to it going to be harmful? Yeah. And I think too, I think we're, as humans, we always try to look for an easy way out. And so that's why some of our less long-term <coughs> long-term friendships are easier because there's usually a reason right that it's ended um and we and we don't experience hurt but i think understanding that when a friendship has been around for a while and it ends it is gonna it's hurt. okay even if there's all the signs yeah, yeah it, it, it's normal. it's okay to grieve that is so important exactly. yeah yep yep which we come back to that idea of each of our close friendships being almost like losing somebody that we thought was the one, you know, in a romantic relationship, when you break up with the person you thought was the one, 
God, it is incredibly painful. I mean, we're talking pint of ice cream. Rom-com. <laughs> yeah, movie, you know, ordering Chinese food in type of sadness. Yeah. And that's okay. We, we accept that as being very normal. Yeah. So why do we fight against the idea of when a long-term friendship ends that somehow it's not supposed to hurt? It's not supposed to be painful. Somehow they're supposed to be like, oh, you know, very logical. I've seen all this, you know, even with all the signs we talked about, ending a long-term friendship can still be and is incredibly painful. And hurt is part of that Yeah, process. so to, I think to sum this up, it's hurt is inevitable, honestly. Uh, with ending a friendship, even if it's short, I think that hurt is mm-hmm. inevitable either on yourself or with the other person. It's going to happen. It's most likely going to go down in whatever way it's going to go down, be it with ice cream and a rom-com or with having nasty text messages. It's just understand it's going to happen. And you have to be comfortable with the uncomfortable of not only ending a yeah. friendship, but again, the repercussions of jumping that fence and now knowing what could happen. And, mm-hmm. you know, ending a friendship doesn't negate that the friendship didn't mean something. And if there's a mutual right. understanding, let's say when this friendship ends and both people agree, yeah, I think we can part ways and be good, which is rare, but it it can happen. And you have the opportunity to communicate, you know what? You did mean something to me. You will always mean something to me. Because we're ending this, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean I'm a bad person. We've grown apart, whatever. Um, But make them know, if you can, that it did mean something during its time. And I think that's really important to add. Yeah. Our, our time is incredibly precious. I mean, we keep saying that over and over and everything that we've talked about in the way that we communicate. And that makes our words incredibly precious as well. If you're going to expend the energy to communicate with somebody and develop this friendship, it, it's, it is through conversation that these friendships grow from 50 hours of just, you know, getting to kind of know somebody all the way through, you know, 20, 30, 40 years of friendship and, and, and ups and downs and weathering everything. It does come down to thinking about happiness, too. I think when you look at people who've been friends for 30 or 40 years, you're going to find that there's a level of satisfaction that they still have with one another. They still take into consideration their own happiness and the happiness of the friendship that of the person that they're with. Maybe even more so, I think, than a romantic relationship. You can ask people who've been married 30 or 40 years, you know, hey, how do you feel about your partner? And they might say, well, they're there. <laughs> but I think most friendships that last 30 or 40 years, they don't talk that way. Certainly the people that we've talked to that have these friendships that are going on decades um, they, they're, they're very quick to tell you, oh yeah, no, my friend is, is there. There's no apathy with those long-term friendships. And the reason is because they have weathered different storms. They've weathered different times when somebody could give more, somebody wasn't able to give enough. They've gone through all sorts of things and they've communicated and continue to communicate 
through all of that time. And that's why it does come down to those three to five people, because it takes a lot of energy to have a long-term friendship. It takes thinking about your happiness and understanding what makes you happy. And as you get a stronger sense of what makes you happy, and you're able to communicate that to those around you, those who are going to be your long-term friends are going to be grateful that you understand what makes you happy because they're going to understand how to bring happiness to you. And in return, if you take the time to understand what makes your friend happy, you're able to contribute to their happiness Yeah, that's well. that's, that's the th- ultimate universal question. I think if you have to ask yourself anything when you see a friendship starting to expire, it is, is my happiness their happiness and vice versa? If you can't yeah. say yes, then maybe this is where you start to say, we need this to end, or I need this to end, or they need it to end, depending. Um, that really is, I think, the the main question that should be asked, in in my opinion. But um, as we come to the end of this, because I think we've we've talked about so much, uh, in 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 the <laughs> words of of the Golden Girls and and Betty White, Sue, thank you Aww. for being a friend. <laughs> Really? Uh, you've been around a long time. We have broken the boundaries of the, the friendship length or whatever. Um, yeah, right. But I, again, I think that comes from, uh, from from communicating and also to understanding our happiness. I think our friendship has deepened the more we've understood and learned about yeah, ourselves. Yeah, and we are not perfect. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. We've had arguments. We've had fights. We've had disagreements. We have, you know, people go, well, you guys have just, you know, you've had a great friendship. Oh, no, we've definitely had problems. Yeah, absolutely. But getting, I think what it comes down to is it comes down to understanding what makes you happy and me understanding that and in return you understanding what made me happy and 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 kind of understand that and when you take that time to understand your own happiness and understand your friend's happiness then you've got a chance for this long-term friendship but once you stop doing that yeah now you're getting into that territory of maybe this friendship has run its course maybe we have grown apart sure well, thank you everyone for listening with us today. This was, in, I think, a pretty tough one. And I know we went a little bit longer today than we normally do, but I feel it's very important that we went into this in a little bit more depth because we don't want you just jumping to ending a friendship. We really want you to ask yourself those hard questions and really think about if it's the best for you. And I don't know. I, I loved this one, even though it was it was hard to talk about. Um but thank you everyone and we will see you all soon. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.